the feel that Livermore has right here, it's like Sonoma was 30 or 40 years ago, where you could walk in on a Saturday afternoon and talk to the winemaker. Yes, yep. yes. very true. It was on a kind of a dare. I was like, huh, I wonder, wonder what that would taste like. And we started doing that. And there is a little bit of a precedent for people making coffee-flavored port. Mm-hmm. Seen huh. that. And we said, well, okay, what else can we do? And so we played around, and we came out with a mocha vino and espresso vino, and they tasted like espresso. What you like is a more European style that really elevates elevates the experience and gets you back into this wonderful food that the chef has prepared. People will remember my father. Either you're too young to remember him, sure, or you're too old to remember much of anything. Welcome to Wine Wednesday. I'm your host, Len LaFrisco. My co-host is Sneha Narang. Hello, everyone. We're joined, as always, by Engineer Mitch. Hello. We are coming to you today from the fabulous Giraffe Space Studios located in Livermore, California. With this program, we are hoping to introduce you to the wine culture of our region through the eyes of wine lovers, but certainly not connoisseurs. We'd like to introduce you to not only the wineries, but hopefully some of the region's best restaurants, breweries, and distilleries that have made Livermore their home. I have lived here for over 30 years, and I'm truly amazed at how the wine industry has flourished. Our climate and its soil are perfect for growing grapes. Livermore is producing wines that rival, and in many cases exceed those of our more famous wine-growing regions in California. Let me introduce today's guest, Montgomery Paulson, owner and winemaker at Paulson Winery in Livermore. Welcome, Monty. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Um, as always, first things first, um, we've opened up a bottle of wine. Why don't you tell us what this is we're drinking and let us know what uh, what the vintage is and what the varietal is. Okay. Well, uh, I brought a number of red blends, um, all very creative and a lot of fun. This first one that we're trying is Odyssey. It's probably the least wacky of the blends that, <laughs> that I make. It's pretty simple and traditional blend. Odyssey is a Rhone-style blend. Uh, made of primarily Syrah, some Grenache, and a little bit of Zinfandel. Really? Yeah. The uh, purists will say Zinfandel is not a Rhone uh, grape variety. I would agree. This is a California Rhone, and you can't be more Californian than Zinfandel. But it's only got about 5 or 6% in Zinfandel. So we came up with the name Odyssey because during the first uh, couple of years when we were putting together some of these red blends, uh, we were sourcing them from all over. Paso Robles, uh, Napa, Sonoma, Lake County, Lodi, uh, San Luis Obispo, etc. And it seemed, um, uh, my girlfriend Gigi at the time had said, you're on this grand odyssey to get these things. <laughs> it's, it. it sort of came across it. And we thought, that'll be fun. And uh, the story we put together is about this is varieties that we track down through interesting places, interesting growers that we work with, and fun little adventures out there. And uh, this one's a 2016 Odyssey. We put this together primarily as, as um, a, um, not a private label, but an exclusive wine for Pennsylvania. Really? Mm. The Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board. So it's a state-run organization that controls all of Pennsylvania. Right. And they wanted something that was interesting. They liked the story. Um, 
we put it together exclusively for them to start, but it's been gone over very well. And outside of Pennsylvania, they gave me permission to sell it in my tasting room. I love it. Is that the only place it's available is Pennsylvania and your tasting room? The only two places, the, <laughs> okay. the Grand Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and Paulson Winery Tasting Room. I well, love it. ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time to take that odyssey to get this odyssey. <laughs> how, how do you get Pennsylvania into the mix? Uh, it's through some, some uh, connections that I do in uh, wine consulting, and um, I know some people that do a lot of work with them, and I've done consulting on some of the projects, and Pennsylvania is a very discerning uh, wine customer. They want it good. They want it inexpensive. They want a good deal on it. And well, they, they sell all their wines out of package stores that are owned by the state. I think they call them state stores. Yes, and they're very aware that they most of their populations are close to other states, hmm. that they could just cross over and get their wine elsewhere if the sure. wine is not a great deal. Interesting. Yeah, so this turned out to be a very nice wine. Went over very well, very drinkable. Nothing um, too out of the ordinary what we put together so it's a safe wine and it it fits everyday functions i have not tasted this before and i i'm enjoying it very much it's a tasty wine it it goes (laughs) it goes over really well and we love our reds we do good choice (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's not too tannic it's not too this it's not made to age it's made to drink now oh okay that's an interesting and that was some of the parameters as we created the blend on this is you know we want it we don't we're not trying to sell something to our customers that they have to wait five years. Right. They want it to be as good as it's going to be right now, and that's that's where we went on the blending. Beautiful. All right. So I did some research, and I noticed that, you know, Paulson Wines started by your dad, uh, Pat, almost 50 years ago uh, up in the Sonoma area. Mm-hmm. Um, the winery is now in Napa, and your tasting room is in Livermore. So... Whose idea was it to, you know, go from the Napa to to Livermore and, and keep it here? Yeah. Well, actually, the, the wineries, we've got a couple of locations. Okay. So Livermore is where um, our home base is and where we do all the boutique wine blending. So one or two barrel lots, meaning 25 or 50 cases that we sell primarily out of the, the tasting room or to local stores here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the work I do for other wineries and um, other consulting work is up in Napa or Sonoma. So we produced on, uh, for instance, uh, this particular lot was um, it started off as over 2,000 cases. Whereas it, on this one we're drinking yeah. right now, wow, yeah. that's amazing. That's a right. lot. So I bottle a lot up there. Goes to a lot of East Coast distributors. So I'm very big on the East Coast. <laughs> very big in uh, Livermore Valley, and a slight following in Oakland. Oh, well, see, not funny. Good, not big in Michigan then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> not currently. Funny because I'm from the East Coast. Um, I love Livermore wine, and, and I'm from Oakland right now. So, hey, you hit all three. All three. This is great. <laughs> bang, bang. We run a, we uh, own a taste, uh, sorry, a wine bar in Oakland. That we open up at nights on weekends. Okay, Thursday, where is Friday, this? Saturday, Tell me Sunday. More. <laughs> it's out uh, West Oakland near the Bay Bridge, close to Emeryville. So cool. just the East Bay side of the Bay Bridge, as you come off there, uh, it's the first exit huh. on the right. Where the, hey, perfect. Sorry, not telling people where I live, but that's where I live. So this is yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, we call it EBGB, the Underground Wine Bar. I and, saw that uh, on your website. Yeah. yeah. We won't say what EBGB means. You'll have to come in and find out. I will do just that. Okay. 
All right, so, you know, tell me what kind of Verdols do you specialize in? Tend to have a pretty wide swing in varietals. Varietals. So, um, back, uh, so our, <laughs> our roots in winemaking go back to the early 70s, um, where we started the original Pat Paulson Vineyard, started up in uh, Alexander Valley a um, long time ago. And we've been, um, we've moved around a little bit. Sometimes we've put it on the back burner while I've, I've gone off as a winemaker and consultant for other wineries. And then we always kept it in our mind to keep this family winery part of the business going. And um, sometimes we've bottled more and sometimes less. And an opportunity came to move out to Livermore. Um, I was making a lot of wine, wines in Napa and not with a tasting room, making them specifically for customers or clients or people I was working with or growers that I, that I worked with that wanted to start their own brands. And when I got a chance to move out onto the property there at Tesla Vintners, where there's uh, currently there's three separate wineries that are, that are operating separately there, but at mm-hmm. the same location, I said, well, maybe it's time to open up a tasting room, get back into the boutique winemaking. And uh, the feel for Liv- that Livermore has right here, it's like Sonoma was 30 or 40 years ago, where you could walk in on a Saturday afternoon and talk to the winemaker yes yep. very yeah. true try that in napa not happening and even though i make wine in napa i'm kind of happy to say that this sort of fun getting to know people getting to know the the principles in the winery and the people behind it and the winemakers is something that is pretty tough in the, the napa sonoma area and it's it's just too bad because that's that's my old stop. The Livermore community is very close, and they seem close knit, and they talk to each other, and they help each other out. It seems like a wonderful uh, area to be uh, doing winemaking in. Well, it, it, it not only do the winemakers help each other out, but the clientele, our customers, our fans, the people that come into the wineries. Um, I, I have a tough time telling whether if somebody walks in, if they're in my wine club, or if they just come there, they visit every. Mm-hmm three weeks mm-hmm. because they come in so often they repeat that and they come back to their favorites and sometimes you've got them in your club and sometimes you, you, you right. begin to know them by name sure. which is what we've lost up in Sonoma. they they come in from who knows some foreign country they're there for a week and then they're not going to be back for 10 years sure right. right sure yeah that makes sense okay so you know i mean i understand that this is a family business but what's your drive and passion what makes you want to do this day in and day out? Well, <laughs> every once in a while, I think I should have gone into computer programming. Oh, no, no, no. Then That's we what have I this. did. <laughs> <laughs> and then well, you're happy to get out. And it's funny you said that because everyone that we've had on as a guest so far has said they were in yep. computer programming. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, because they made their money early on, they have the money to spend on um, vineyards and grapes and everything. Since we were in the wine business, we didn't have any money. So uh, I end up, what I do is actually I work with a lot of growers. And uh, some a lot of the wines we have in our tasting room are joint projects with the growers. Or I have growers come to me all the time and say, hey, I like what you're doing. I'd like to pair with you. And that's been a fun adventure. And through the 30 or 40 years that we've been around, I get to meet a lot of these growers all over the state, uh, all, all over the North Coast. And um, currently, I, I am, I guess I am, uh, um, 
officially the winemaker for about four or five wineries. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, but most most of these they're they're small wineries that have their one vineyard, their two varietals maybe. They want to start a tasting room. Okay, what do you do after you taste that the one right you know, wine they make from their property? So we get to talking and find ways that other growers can bring. Oh, if you don't have a Sauvignon Blanc, my grower out in Lodi makes a great gold medal winning Sauvignon Blanc. Let's see if we can get his grapes over to your winery mm. and start to build this little community. Perfect. So that's, that's been fun. That's pretty beautiful. You know, creating art. This is art. <laughs> it is art. <laughs> community. <laughs> Yummy and, art. Uh, yes, community, yeah. art, all of it. So I, I have to say it, you know, those of us of a certain age, uh, remember your dad, Pat. Um, and I remember seeing him on like Johnny Carson. And I know he did his own show in the 70s. And I also remember he ran for president in 1968. So do you have any stories around? uh, um, What's funny is that I know that shortly after he ran for president, that's when he started the winery, which seems like a natural progression. You know, you'd go into politics and then you do wine (laughs) because you don't want to be in politics. But I'm just wondering if you have any stories about your dad or about uh, if you have any memories of, of him starting the winery or if he's run for president or anything really interesting from uh, that period of time that people my age might be interested in. Well, it's interesting Yeah, you mentioned your age because uh, <laughs> people who remember my father, um, when his name comes up, either you're too young to remember him sure, or you're too old to remember much of anything. <laughs> <laughs> You are now in that narrow window. Wow, I've got about two weeks left, right? (laughs) A couple of glasses worth, and who knows? Um, But uh, we—he's been running for president since '68, um, and he hasn't stopped, right? um, Despite having been dead for about 15 years, (laughs) Um, we ran him. Well, even after he died, he was beating other local politicians in certain races. That's amazing. Um, um, <laughs> you know, we, we've got statistics. He, he uh, Back when Gary Hart was running for president, he beat him in certain districts in, <laughs> I forget, one of the primaries. And uh, You might want to run him in this next general election. Well, we ran him in the last one. We kind of figured, but, you know, he, he may be dead, but um, he couldn't do any worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> think about that. And the decisions he makes... Um, not going to be any worse. That's right. Anybody else um, <laughs> out there? I, I think, I think he's got a couple of votes just in this room. <laughs> yeah, um, we had a lot of slogans. Uh, they were like a dead man running, <laughs> um, uh, thinking inside the box. Oh, that's great. Um, oh, that is brilliant. Brilliant. But did you did you remember? Were you old enough when he ran when he first ran for president? When he was actually running for president, not when you were putting no, him up. I was uh, pretty young, yeah, pretty young so. back then. Um, but uh, we've got a lot of um, uh, leftovers and mementos and signed uh, papers from oh, nice. Jimmy Carter and oh, um, amazing. Uh, Ronald Reagan and, and things like that. That's amazing. Did you grow up in the Hollywood lifestyle? Was he a Hollywood guy or... I'm still in the Hollywood lifestyle. Oh, nice. pardon me. Very Excuse true. Me. If you I saw your been, jet pull up yeah. outside. Yeah, Downtown Livermore, that's <laughs> Hollywood, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's really cool. Because I, I, I absolutely remember seeing him on, on those shows. I feel like he was on like Mike Douglas or, or Merv Griffin or one of those shows, you know, those types of shows as well. And th- those were, that's my generation back in, in that time. Back when they had 
television. I know, right? <laughs> when there was three channels and you watched what was on and you watched it at the time it was on because there was no place to record it. <laughs> wow, ancient I I, times. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh. So um, I saw on your website that you uh, have a line of wines that have coffee and vanilla chai and chocolate mint. and So tell us what uh, the inspiration for those wines and what are the reactions of people when they taste them because that's very unusual. Yeah, it's it's uh, we try a lot of things and uh, you know with a tasting room in Livermore, I I experienced things that I did not experience in Napa and Sonoma, particularly in reference to this would be a young millennial Gen X type crowd that doesn't particularly uh, get excited about some of the things um, other wineries may be talking about. You could talk about this is from the this clone of that grafted to that varietal of this on sunny slopes on a whatever. <laughs> and they say, hmm, could I get the one with the cute label? <laughs> and that's not so bad because there's a lot of there's a lot of consumers out in the in the in the country that are making decisions kind of like that. And what we found is we could play around a lot in the tasting room and then I could sit there and try it on people who came in who didn't know much about wine and that's it's um it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. not to be a, a wine snob or not to be a wine aficionado it's like oh i just like to see if i like it and of course the younger crowd likes sweeter wines um they don't mind different blends if you look out in the craft beer space and the craft distilling space they're infusing all sorts of things and you're yep. not right. seeing that in right. the winery space. Very true. And so we started trying that, and we would try a little thing. I used to make um, some infusions for every year for Thanksgiving. I'd throw some spices. We'd filter out some wine, uh, grape juice, non-alcoholic, and throw spices in there, cinnamon and stuff, and give it to the kids mm-hmm. and make various, um, it, it, something called grog or glog or something that the, the Scandinavians like. They, they heat it up, and then they put spices, mm. put a little sugar, and they don't get all pretentious about it. It's just something fun to taste. And so we've tried a lot of these. And um, we have our very serious, our gold medal winning Napa Cabernets and Livermore Cabernets, et cetera. Um, but the others are a lot of fun. So the Coffeehouse series, it was on a kind of a dare. It was like, huh, I wonder, wonder what that would taste like. And we started doing that. And there is a little bit of a precedent for people making coffee-flavored port. Mm-hmm. I've seen huh. that. And we said, well, okay, what else can we do? And so we played around, and we came out with a mocha vino, an espresso vino, and they tasted like espresso yeah. or mocha or cappuccino. Or, or And then people say, well, I don't really drink coffee, but I drink chai. Okay, so we had to try that one, and it worked sure. really good. So it's some fun. I mean, and, and we, we don't pretend it's anything more special than a fun infused wine that has its place. It's extremely well, unusual. And it, excuse me. Wow. <laughs> I think you, you hit it on the, the nail on the head there with it's fun. Because I remember the first time I came there, and I love coffee, and I saw it, and I just I wanted to be the first one of my friends to be like, I tried coffee wine, guys. It was pretty cool. <laughs> and then they were asking, well, where'd you get it? So I had to, it was like a great marketing tool. Yeah. Right. Go over to the You're amazing. One. And Try I think out. what makes it really nice here is, you know, um, you, you, you said it right. There are so many of my friends. In fact, you know, I have I have a I have a um, coworker who's listening to the podcast, and he's like, Sneha, um, 
I don't know anything about wines. And honestly, the wines that you suggested are so whiny that I need, it's not my palate, right? And what you've done is proven what I always tell my coworker is, I think the wine, it's an art and everybody can find something for themselves. And uh, what you're doing here is including those people who don't necessarily either know or care for that heavy chewy but would like to you know have the the coffee and um it i think that's beautiful i think including everybody it just it just speaks more to what i feel about wine is it's art and there's room for everybody to like it yeah it's um nobody bats an eye at a coffee stout right right or, uh, you know, uh, beer barrels aged in bourbon, beer, mm-hmm. whatever, th- this and that out there. Um, it, it's like what white Zinfandel was to a previous generation, which was it got you in, it got you trying wine, it got you yep. away right. from, say, you know, some light beer. And you right. tried it and you said, oh, that's okay. And pretty soon you start to develop a taste and then you're trying the, the, the really nice stuff for nice occasions. But, yeah. you know, if it's a picnic, you don't need a... A heavy Cabernet for your picnic. Right. But if you like a heavy Cabernet, drink the heavy Cabernet. I, that happened to be what I like. Mm-hmm. I don't really care for white wine all that much. They're lovely. Some of them are good. Some of them are buttery. Some of them are oaky, which is all it goes back to the fact that I like them, everything red. Yeah. And it, the chewier and the heavier, the better for me. So if that's what I like, even if it's with turkey dinner or it's with cheese or it's whatever, that's what I drink. And yeah. that's okay. And, right. and there shouldn't be any pretense about the fact that that's what you enjoy. Sure. And, and the, you could take another crowd, the ultimate, uh, the, the, call it the snobs or the very high-end aficionados or whatever you want to call them, who will say you can't have red wine with fish. Ugh. Bull. You know, it's, 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 <laughs> you got to get over that. So right. every wine should have its place, and it's fun to have things for different occasions. I agree. You know, I say um, – I, I have my wine and it's the food I'm pairing with my, my with my wine. It's never the other way around where, oh, if I'm going to have steak, then I need to have the red, but I'm going to have the white with... No, no, it's this is the wine. What food can I pair you know the wine with? That's the, how I function. It's food just, goes with wine. It, you know, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It, it doesn't <laughs> matter. If you enjoy the wine and you enjoy the food, the pairing should be okay. Yeah, th- th- I've got an idea on on that because I have some wines. Somebody, if we go back to my serious wines, let's say, and some of my my blends, um, I've got one in the the kit there. My Parthenogenesis, which is a more of a very high end, very tannic uh, Cabernet Bordeaux style blend. Ooh, <laughs> and we might I, have to try that one next. We've got that one coming, <laughs> and then something else like my wines Bodioti is a soft um, uh, Barbera based blend that is that is uh well I'll put it this way sometimes you sit down at a meal and as you taste your food and drink your wine the food is there to cleanse your palate so you can go back and think about this great wine right then you have other pairings where the wine is there to cleanse your palate mm-hmm. and not think mm-hmm. about too mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. because the food is the the, mm-hmm. the thing that is being presented there so complex wines will will they'll interfere with with a, a a chef's a good chef's great meal what they don't want is these these california cabernets that are flashy and jumping out and saying look at me look at me what you like is a more european style that sure. really elevates 
elevates the experience and gets you back into this wonderful food that the chef has prepared. And then there are times when, hey, just give me something to eat because this wine is, is knocking amazing. my socks off. Right. right. That's then, me. That's the way I feel. Okay. That's impressive. Like just the way you explain it. I think that's um, – it's beautiful. All right. So we were talking Hollywood. I have to ask you <laughs> about the wine. Um, how many awards have you won with your creation? With the wine? Um, <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've backed off a bit lately on entering all the competitions. They become a little bit overwhelming. That's um, fair. You know, the... For a while, I was entering every competition. We'd come home with so many gold, silvers, whatever. I don't have, I don't keep a count. I've a, I've got a couple of drawers full of awards that we've won for the last forty or fifty years. There, they're piling up, and I don't know what to do with them. What I find those are great um, when I've got the wine on a store shelf in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when they walk into a tasting room, it's gold, gold, gold. This ninety something points that, and they're like, okay, but. Let me taste it. Right. So I don't enter as many as I used to. So I don't know what the number is. Frankly. Right on. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Hundreds. I don't know. Hundreds. Hundreds. So do you have a philosophy on winemaking? Or is there a certain feel that you want out of all of your wines? Or are you just having fun? I tend to tend to like balance. Um, now that may be... Um, lied here by the some of the samples I brought which are kind of unbalanced my idea you have balanced wine and unbalanced wine and the unbalanced wines are kind of like these ones I said are the showy wines Mm -hmm. California wines in general are often unbalanced Uh, if you take a Napa cab or Alexander Valley cab something like that that is monster tannins monster this monster that it's unbalanced to be sure Uh, balanced to me is more like the say the French or European style mm-hmm. where it complements things. It's like that, that, that wine that complements the food without saying, look at me. So I do like to make them balanced, but occasionally, because I work with so many growers, so many, so many um, different lots of wine and grapes, you get one and you have to let that particular lot of wine develop on its own and when it's something that's uh, not quite I don't know ordinary or balanced you run with it right I did that on my caddy wampus but as the name would suggest is something that's very disjointed it's it's a it's another wacky wine but it's fun and when you're in the mood it goes over great um, whereas some of the other ones I think like like that first Odyssey we had is just made to be you know, smooth and nice. So I think I tend more towards a balanced style. Mm-hmm. But when something offers me a chance, I run with it. So it's perfect. You said the word fun because I visited your tasting room a few times. The, we got to drink all this. We can't. Okay. Oh yeah. Just, yeah just, <laughs> oh, oh no. We're well, drinking. Uh, all right. Hold on. Before we, you move on, we we heard you. Uh, oh. Opening some wine. During, <laughs> what, I have no idea. Was that me? What, what, yeah. Was what is this? What? Oh, that is the wine Spodioti. It's Spodioti. Okay. <laughs> People get a tell little. Tell me about. Uh, it. Let's tell me. Let's hit, tell oh, me about it. What's in there? Crime. You just drained that bottle in my <laughs> oh, glass. That's what we do. There we go. So <laughs> wine spodioti. Your sound engineer is going to have to do a little research and post on this Ooh. and find out who Sticks McGee is, who's mentioned on the label. <laughs> um, you'll find it out. It's it's an old song, a classic uh, blues song. 
Ooh, that's cool. Um, and I, uh, wine's podio, drinking wine, drinking wine's podio, <laughs> drinking wine. <laughs> that's um, really good. <laughs> so this this is a uh, primarily Barbera with uh, about fifteen. I got to back fifteen to twenty percent uh, Zinfandel, fruity forward. It's um, mm. uh, the the grapes come um, come from the uh, um, Placerville area, so it's foothills. I've got a lot of connections up there, and I made I was doing some some work with some friends up there, and we said, well, you know, I'll trade you this and trade you that, and I came home with a bunch of Barbera grapes. That's really good. What else is in there? There's there's more than Zinfandel. Well, it's primarily Barbera. Oh, so so that's okay. So wow. yeah, it's the eighty-five-ish percent Barbera and uh, fifteen or so really percent uh, Zinfandel. There. If there was a, a camera here, you would see me making all these faces. This is really good wine. Good faces. <laughs> yeah, it's all good faces. Yes, good faces. It's good faces. It's it's really good wine. This is delicious. It's tasty, but it's uh, it's another one. I can't put this on the shelf. People walking by wines, Bodiodi. What the yeah, heck right. is that? Yeah, but. Right. They come in, we play the song for them. Well, I so, love so it. I'm glad you said song because you know we've been your, where you guys are going <laughs> and and your staff is most welcoming, first of all. And I love the fact that every single time I've been there, you have been there, and that's unusual. We just talked about Napa. You're not going to meet the winemaker when you walk into the place. Um, and you've answered questions and you've poured for us. It's lovely. But the one thing that everybody walks away from there from is the fact that, you like to sing Sweet Caroline. Yes. <laughs> so now explain yes. to me where that came from and why. Well, and I'd like to interject. Do you like singing it? Because when I was there, <laughs> you were holding up the flash cards. <laughs> yes, with the, flash with, cards. The, with, the, with the words. Everybody thinks they know the words to that. And they get to the, the chorus, and after that, it peters out. Agreed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you, you go to the ball game, and it's, mm, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. Um, well, okay, that came about as a companion wine. To the first Neil Diamond wine we had, which was sweet. No, it wasn't Sweet Caroline. It was, um, oh, Cracklin' Rosé. Oh, nice. Cracklin' Rosé. <laughs> so you, there's a song, Cracklin' Rosé Makes sure. Me Smile. It's uh, Neil Diamond. And we have that in there. Um, we're just going to get it back in stock. It's a light, spritzy, effervescent rosé. Nice. Um, and uh, people think that we named it after Neil Diamond when in fact Neil Diamond came up with that song which he named after the wine which was introduced in the late 60s or 70s by Paul Masson over wow. there in San Jose somewhere really that's Paul so Masson, cool. right there San Jose yeah right? yeah yeah, right. yeah and um crackling rosé crackling in winemaker terms means frizzante or slightly effervescent or not quite sparkling just huh. a little tingle on the tongue, and there's a whole there's a whole story about how Neil Diamond, he was in Canada at the time, happened to be in a Native American Indian reservation. He was on passing through, and they all had this story that a guy there, if he got a date, he'd go out on a Saturday night, and if he couldn't, he'd rustle up just enough money to buy a bottle of Cracklin' Rosé, <laughs> and that was his great. girl for the night. Oh, that's great. So Cracklin' Rosie, you're a store-bought woman. Oh, my oh, God. You make me feel like guitar humming. Um, that's a great story. So, and my, my cousin, who's a lot older than I am, said, hey, I used to get this wine called Cracklin' Rosé, and nobody ever makes that again. I said, 
you're right. Nobody huh. does. So I made it. So I tried, I tried a hand on it, and I shipped her the first couple of bottles yeah. in the summer. And with all that pressure in the bottle, from it blew up. Oh, oh no. OPS and on these notes and stuff. Um, so we got that. But it's not a song people know how to sing. Yeah. Cracklin' Rosé. So we came up with, with another, okay, we need a white, slightly sweet, kind of tart wine. And, of course, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> that is amazing. That's pretty and cool. Like, okay, well. People seem to really enjoy it, and they always request it's it when we're there. It's a great little summer, just you know, yeah. slight amount of sweetness. And, and you uh, you oblige them, and you have the cards, and yep, it's just yeah. you know, yeah. You must and do it how many times a day? <laughs> we try to limit it to two oh, times two. a day. All right. <laughs> I'm very happy I made it for one of them. It was so much fun. Yeah, that was fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. You yeah. need the sign up there that's like, it's been two hours since. Yeah. <laughs> Pick a number or I love a it. countdown to the next right. uh, a Sweet right. Caroline sing-along. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's amazing. So it's Bodie Odie. Put some po- put put Bubble. a – it's all public domain music. So you can uh, okay. put some clips in there. And, uh, Beautiful. All right. Wine's Bodie Odie. <laughs> um, maybe if we got time, we could try the Caddy Wampus, okay, which has sure. a story in itself. Ooh, I I'm, love I'm stories. Why don't you tell us the story? We're still drinking we'll... or are we going to open that one? Oh, <laughs> you tell me. Should I open it? You you could open it. I could open it. All right. Caddy Wampus is um, usually so so far it's been a, a blend of varieties that don't necessarily go well together and vintages that are mixed. And the whole story about Caddy Wampus, people have used that term without really knowing what it means, and it tends to mean something that's crazy mixed up, exactly. not slightly askew or slightly whatever. Um, uh, when I looked into it, I s- said, because we, we tried one, and, and I, let's hear it. Yeah, oh, digging into that, <laughs> digging into that cork. Okay, we're going to hear the pop. That's the best part. I've heard people say that, and I've used it at times. When we put together a blend, it's like, that thing's kind of cattywampus. It's just not working. It's it's a different thing. It's not a sure. balanced, not a balanced wine. Right. It's It's got two different directions it's going. But every once in a while we try that, we're like, but I like that. It's like, well, but we could never sell that, or could we? Mm. Um, and it's got the whole term cattywampus got a story. It started uh, French gambling halls in the 16th century. Um, if you rolled dice, the dice in French, you rolled a four. The four was called cotter mm-hmm. for quatre or whatever, right. for yeah. French for four. Sure. Mm-hmm. So snake eyes this and boxcars that. You, you had a cotter in the, in sure. the English-speaking world. Um, the cotter, I, I think fast forward. So a cotter quickly became known as any sort of four box type four, four something with, with four things mm-hmm. right? or a box like shape. And if you fast forward to urban planning that started in Paris in the 1700s and mm-hmm. spread to the, the capital of the, the United States and Washington, people started laying things out on a grid. And you had to come up with a term for, you you knew what next door to you was, but you had on a grid, what was on the opposite corner? Well, those were the cotter corners. Caddy corner. Which became caddy corner or kitty corner. (laughs) Right, now fast forward again to the American West where you've got all these stories. The, uh, they're not urban legends. What do you call it? That the, the, Pioneers would tell these stories that based on uh, Daniel Boone or no right. or uh, Johnny Appleseed. Um, just 
yeah, popular mythology. Sure, yeah. And started out a, a story that started with the Cherokee had this a creature they called a wampus cat. The the wamp, wampus cat. Hmm. The no, before that, even before hmm. that, it was the Ewok cat. The okay. Ewok cat was this mythological f- creature that would kind of like a succubus or incubus or something that would attack the male braves or whatever warriors in the night. And the Ewok cat somehow became the wampus cat. But the Ewok was this hairy cat-like creature um, that would haunt people at night. Hmm. Now, you think Star Wars, right, the Ewoks. Exactly. Um, George Lucas claims that there's no connection. Uh-huh. 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 Sure. Right? He made it all up. <laughs> yeah. But the Ewok cat sort of became the, the wampus cat, which started off as an evil creature that would attack uh, male braves at night. And as the story sort of transmogrified itself, became something first that was dangerous and mm-hmm. frightening to something that was was crazy or something that was out of control and soon became something that was slightly askew or out of beat or off beat or mm-hmm. whatever. So something that's not quite right became the the caddy. We said caddy corner was stuff that was crossed right. at a corner and not on parallel. And caddy wampus became anything slightly off center or slightly <laughs> off beat or slightly out of the ordinary. And that's. So We're, what makes the caddy wampus so, out of the ordinary? Well, so this is one that it's two, two different vintages. It's a, a 15, uh, oh. 2016 Petite Syrah Ooh. and a 2015 Zinfandel. Ooh. Um, normally, I would pair an older Petite Syrah with a younger Zinfandel, but um, I did I get my vintages right on this? I reversed the vintage. So that you get all the young um, stuff coming out from Petite Syrah that you'd normally like to tone down. Right. I tried to bump it up. In the Zinfandel, I got stuff that smoothed out. Huh. And so in one sense, it's smooth. It's got kind of a smooth finish. But it, it, then it's got the tannin that jumps out. And it's kind of a cattywampus, kind of wacky, different tor- sort of blend that somehow works. Uh, that more than somehow works. It's very good. I got to finish my favorites, right? My you I... don't have to. I could pour you Petit a, a brand new glass. is one of my uh, favorite yeah, vintages, so that or varietals, so that <laughs> makes it even that much better. Ladies and gentlemen, they are forcing me to drink each full glass as I we go know. along. <laughs> the the gonna, struggle here is we're so. We're going to need real. a longer podcast. I'm taking. <laughs> I'm taking one for the team. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. So you know we we. I clearly, in hearing you speak, hear the passion behind this winemaking. Um, the experience that, you know, I, I my experience coming to your tasting room is this great singing, fun time. Um, what about your tasting room and the environment do you enjoy the most? The, the thing that I enjoy the most is the fact that I get a lot of young, sometimes inexperienced wine drinkers in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of these blends would not see the, the 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 light of day without people being there to try some of my blends and saying, "Oh, but I like that," or "Oh, could you try this?" And occasionally, I'll have some elements for a blend there, and I'll try a little of this with a little of that, and I'll say, "Well, this probably won't work," and people say, "No, no, that works." So that's the fun part. We happen to be at another 
another aspect of our, our tasting room over at Tesla Vintners is there's three of us on on the property. So you right. can visit three wineries. We'll give you a discounted uh tasting ticket for three fineries for the oh, price of two. Oh, now you tell me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we charged you full price, <laughs> yeah. I, I recall. I think but I was double. I knew you were going to get some wine out of the deal, though. So right. it's a great great thing to bring a picnic and know that you can park once. You can go to three wineries. Yeah. They either start the day with us or end the day with Tesla Vintners because, it, say, at the end of the day and we, somebody's finished with all their tasting, they don't want to taste anymore, they just wander off to a, a picnic table while their friends go from winery to winery to winery, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're still all on the same property. Yeah. Or they bring a picnic and somebody stops and eats while somebody goes off and tries the other winery. Right. So it makes a nice experience like that. So, All right. So I saw on your website, so I, I have to ask, what is the, um, what is the red, what is a red state, blue state wine? Oh. <laughs> Well, we, yeah, we come up with sometimes some some things that are slightly political. Oh, okay, I can okay. tell. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, a number of years back, when we had the government shutdown, we came up, up with our shutdown Shiraz and our. <laughs> oh, that is so cool! It. That's our, so funny. I love I don't it. Know, whatever we had a whole list of them. Whatever is popular. Um, during the Clinton um, 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 Trump campaign, it became very this divisive and you're either a red state or a blue state for sure and um we decided to do different themes on that the blue state i guess i can mention it um <laughs> well we we started a one called nasty women wine <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unbeknownst of us so that was the blue state it was the nasty woman wine oh jeez uh, <laughs> Somebody in parallel to us had trademarked that, so they oh. asked us to stop, which we have. Um, but we still have our red state wine, which is America, damn it. America, damn it. <laughs> America, damn it. Like America. You this is great. Love this it or great. leave it. <laughs> you know, I think I normally ask, um, when we open a wine, what do, you, what do you suggest is the best way to store your wine if, let's say, we don't finish it? In which case, I mean, it never happens with me, but, you know, it happens with others. What's the best way to store your wine if you don't finish the bottle? (laughs) (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) We use the vacuum pump in our tasting room. That works pretty good for a while. I, I, I want people to try this out and then tell me. Take an take a partially consumed bottle of wine and freeze it. Ooh, okay. Somebody tried did that, and I was talking with my winemaker friends and said, well. That should slow down the aging process. It should do all this. It should inhibit oxidation. It, stuff should not chemically happen while it's in that state. So that's, I'm going to tell everybody to do that and then report back to me whether it actually worked. We're going to do that. And, right on. And, and go into the winery and give a report. The winery is located at uh, 5143 Tesla Road in Livermore. Um, the normal tasting fee is 10 bucks, but if you mention Wine Wednesday, you'll get a, a tasting for free. They're open from noon till five, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so go out there and visit uh, Monty. He will welcome you and he will sing Sweet Caroline for you if he hasn't done it two or three times earlier. And you got to get out there and find out what uh, EBGB is. Right. That's in, that's in West to, Oakland. That's in West Oakland, guys. So coming out to Oakland. For the record, this wine is absolutely delicious. This is the, the cattywampus Caddy that I'm drinking right wow. now. Ooh, it is so good. Thank Monty, you. thank you for coming. It's been a wonderful evening, and I appreciate you being here, and thank you for the wine. 
And we'll be out visiting you, and I hope everybody comes visit you as well. We'll see you all there. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, remember, until next time, it may not always be Wednesday, but it's always a good day for wine.